You guys, welcome to episode 104 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives into well-known, and more importantly, not-so-well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. It's me, Troy McKeady, and I'm super, super excited because we're doing another fictional episode today, a fictional character episode. This is the second one that I'm going to be doing, and I'm just very... I'm emotionally, I don't even know if I'll be able to handle this, and I have a guest on this week that I'm super, super excited about. Uh, Vanessa, how are you? Hi! I'm so excited. I told you I am full, like, level 10 Patty Chase right now about this. (laughs) About being able to do this with you, and of all things, being able to do this truly iconic teen angst romance couple. Yes. So... If you guys don't know, based on the description, if you haven't already read it, we are doing an episode today based on uh, Jordan Catalano and uh, and uh, Angela Chase. And I guess, like, should we give... So- First of all, you have a really awesome podcast that I just binged listen to the other week. <gasps> Thank you. That I love, Thank that you. I definitely want to plug because I want people to listen to it because it's really <laughs> funny. And you guys are so fucking good together, and you kill me, and I want you to have, like, a fucking MTV spinoff or something. Like, I'm ready for it. I just learned how to give a blowjob with a uh, with a grapefruit. Like, I'm living. Oh, God. I cannot believe she did that. <laughs> no, That's it was real. amazing, that, though. That is where we are willing to go, and that all just started from her. It was just, it really, truly was a joke text from one friend to another, and I said, you know, you need to do that so we can pot about it. And then later on in the day, she sent me a picture of their grocery basket with a big grapefruit in it and i was like girl do not tease me and do not tease your man you've got to follow through with this now we have to talk about it i was enthralled outside chain smoking literally like it was a lady fair cigarette from the root to the two in one hit dying um so your podcast is called bitch bible or bottom bible the bottom bible yeah because we are two bottoms so how would you even describe it? Because you guys talk about everything. We did. We at first we thought like, okay, let's talk about, let's make it about being bottoms or like everything from the point of view of the bottoms. But then we thought like, well, we're not really bottoms all the time. Like we are kind of bossy bottoms, I guess. In our day to day life, we're we're pretty straightforward and pretty like pretty top. You know, like we're, we're pretty aggressive in our day to day lives. It's just in sexual relationships and in relationships, we've both discovered throughout the years that our pref- sexual preference is to be the submissive one in the relationship. Yeah. And we just thought it would be funny. Like, it started from texts between the two of us that we would make ourselves laugh. Like, you know, when you are texting with a really good friend that you just click with and kind of, they always, you always seem to be on the same page. You don't, agree on everything, but it's just a a good rapport back and forth. And we were joking, saying, like, this needs to be a show. Like, we we should have a show. And then one day we thought, like, let's do do a podcast. And we thought, okay, okay, great. What are we going to call it? And we jokingly just said, well, duh, the bottom Bible. Because, you know, we're, this is like, we're spreading the word of of these two bottoms. And then we just decided, well, let's do it. And let's talk about anything and everything. Like, it's a lot of sex and relationships, but also pop culture stuff and YA books and like it's it's all the stuff we talk about in real conversations to each other a lot of the podcasts really do feel like just conversations between the two of us and 
uh, when we first started, we were recording a bunch of them and her computer crashed and we lost like six or seven episodes that we'd recorded and we were so bummed and we started to kind of recreate them because we had the notes and stuff, but it ended up being great because we had had all those episodes to practice and it started to sound like we, we realized like, oh, we have to stop sounding like just the conversation between the two of us and realize like it needs the format and you need to be aware yeah. of it. Other people are going to be listening <laughs> to this. So it was a good way to practice. And um, we have a lot of fun doing it. And we get really excited when we see like more people downloaded it than we have friends. So, you know, <laughs> oh, my God, like people so that means we don't, strangers we don't know are listening. listening, strangers are listening. Like we got yeah. an email from like this really cute, like young guy uh, who was listening and is like so excited. And we were just like, oh, my God, we have like our fan, our one fan, Tyler. Hi, Tyler. You guys did an episode <laughs> on bangs that truly spoke to me. I mean, literally, I've been bald since birth. But I mean, I as a as a as a gay man understand the importance of a, of, a, of bangs for a girl i know what it yes. means when my friend says like i'm gonna get bangs i'm like don't do anything crazy i'll come over we'll talk Speak, you know what i mean like no i will come over with some wine let's yeah, call like, your therapist you're it's obviously going through yes. something really intense right now we'll figure it out but it, <laughs> i just think that it's like the funniest i love you guys oh thank you thank you that that that's great because i have been listening to this mushroom since its inception i love it i love it every single week uh, Thank you. I I was bummed when a little bummed when you said you were going to do like kind of every other. And I was like, but I understand. Yeah, I understand. We need to take the pressure off of Troy and let him bring his best. <laughs> uh, too many notes, and he's he's got to you know he's got to be able to bring it all together and give it to us <laughs> the way he he intends it. But then you started you know talking about the fictional couples, and it's just such a good idea. It's such a good idea because they're almost real to us, but it's a lighter version of it because you don't yeah. have to keep up with everything that's happened since because they just exist, you know, from here to here. Like, yeah. And like this specific world. Yes, And it's also yes. cool. Cause there's a lot of shows that people have recommended that I'd never watched, but like now, and I've always wanted to. So now I have an excuse to right. revisit them, right. you know, and right. like, I'll have like this fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of what is your, what's your relationship to my so-called life? <gasps> okay. I am um, an older lady. So when this show aired, I looked up the date. This one was, uh, it it premiered in 1994 and I had just graduated from high school. Okay. So I was just a few years older than Angela when I started watching the show. Okay. Um, I have rewatched this more times than I can say. I I rewatch it all the time. And this past time I watched it, this first day, particular episode um angela's mom and her friend both mentioned that they're 40 in this episode i'm 43 and i was like wow oh my god yeah (laughs) Yeah. i could have been angela's older sister when i started watching this show and now i could be her mom i'm older than her mom now and it's been fun to see how my perspective of the show and of the characters has changed because when I first yeah. started watching, I mean, I was, I was Angela. I, I wasn't yeah. like, a, well, I'm an Angela with like a little bit of it. No, I was a straight overthinking, over romanticizing, like so in her own head that she's almost not present for real life. Angela, like, yeah. Like, she's not seeing the actual world. She's not. She can't even see what's really happening because she cannot remove the Angela filter yeah. off her face. Like, it, um, 
I have loved the show since the day it aired. <laughs> I was so sad when it ended, but then also kind of like it's like a time capsule show where it never went beyond that first season and it's kind yep. of just lives in this like perfect little space where yeah it was disappointing that it didn't go on but they'll never change they're like this little snow globe that you could yeah. like you know put put on your on your bookshelf with your high school you know most likely to succeed trophies or whatever that uh, and it, they'll fe- never, it makes yeah. it feel like it's your thing like it's your little yes. thing it's not like the world's seven season show that they're trying to reboot and whatever this is your little thing that means so much to you right That's what it feels like Right. I, yeah, I, I think this is easily in my top, oh God, top five favorite shows of all, all time. I, yeah. I love the show. I love the characters. I wish we could have seen more, but I, I treasure the, uh, the one like perfect, perfect season that we had, even with Beyond. that Christmas episode that I wasn't crazy about, but I'll take it. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> So when I when I started watching this show, I was a kid, and Angela, to me, as a kid, I was like, this is a grown-ass woman. <laughs> she has her shit together. She's about that life. She's about to go to college soon, in like five years. Like, this is the true definition of an adult woman. And, like, it is so wild to have... Because I've watched this show so many times now, I can't even really count. But it has been many years since I've seen it. I probably haven't watched it since I was, like, in my early 20s. So to watch it now as, like, a 31-year-old, I was, like... It is very... It's jarring. It's it's crazy, like, the people that you relate to during different parts of your life. And I used to... I remember, like, being younger and having no interest in her parents' storyline, like, at all. Right. And being like, pooey, like, get back to the, <laughs> the girl's bathroom where everything's actually happening. I don't want to know about her mom's fucking vanity issues. But now, her parents are like... Like, her mom specifically, her uh, her relationship with her mom is one of the most interesting things about the show to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I agree with you. I think it's one of the best shows of all time. I think that this one season of this show is better than, you know, so many shows that have gone on to have, like, decade-long, uh-huh. uh, you know, series, whatever. It's just, the acting is beyond, and, you know, a young Claire Danes and a young Jared Leto, these two people that are just, be like, ridiculous. Like, Claire Danes is so ridiculous. She's so good. It's so annoying. It's, like, it's absurd how talented she is. Her crying alone her cry acting alone uh, throughout her whole career but this show in particular because these were teen tears yeah like you've read the description i've I've read the description that reads like you know so-and-so's face crumbled as they started crying her face physically crumbles in front of you and you can see like you can see the tears building and happening and you have a true heart of stone if claire danes can't make you cry (laughs) Oh my god! Do you watch Homeland? I haven't ever watched Homeland. Um, I think it, it was one of those shows that when it started, I was either because of work or school not able to watch it. And it was one of those. Well, I'll catch up with it. I'll catch up with it. And then it went on too long, and I couldn't catch up with it. Yeah, and it, it's a forever it. on my on my list. But I, I'm sure at one like you know one one flu season, I'll, I'm going to be homesick for a week and like binge watch it. Absolutely. So you'll remember this conversation when you do. Like, it'll immediately Ugh. bring you right back because her Ugh. crying in the show is 
so jarring. Because she's in the show, she's manic, she's bipolar, and sometimes she goes off of her meds and she's a little bit manic. Her crying is so like visceral and like from her diaphragm. Like it is, it is like ugly crying, lips curled, like crying. Like the way that you cry when you're alone and like drunk. I want to cry thinking about it. You know what I mean? She's just so good. Um, but so as I explained last week that the way that I've been kind of formatting this is like, you know, picking a specific episode. So I'm not doing an entire series. Right. right. You know? Um, and I, I sort of left it up to you because I feel like you're a little bit more of an expert on this show than I am. And I haven't watched it as many times as you. So we chose the episode, uh, why Jordan can't read. And it is like, even on the third watch, every single time, my heart truly flutters. I I feel in the words of, uh, of, uh, of Betty Draper, I feel so much. (laughs) And I just like, I, it was so incredible. It's episode 17. By the way, this show's on Hulu. If you guys want to rewatch it, if you haven't seen my so-called life and you're listening to this, Pause this, go watch it, figure out your life, and just weep and hold yourself and, like, hold your loved ones close. It is such an incredible show. It's one of the best teen dramas that I've ever watched in my entire life. Easily a one-weekend binge. Easily. Easily. Oh, my God. You'll have a hard time stopping. Yeah. Oh, God. And it's only one season. It's in that, like, that little, like, Freaks and Geeks folder where there's one perfect season that you know is going to be coming to an end way sooner than you expect oh. when you get into it. And it's really, it, it makes you feel a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, so the episode, episode 17, Why Jordan Can't Read, uh, the basis of the episode is that Jordan Catalano, like the brooding, like disturbed, oh. sad, confused, like artistic heartthrob. Yes. We've, like, it's been hinted the entire series up to this point that there's something some sort of weird thing going on with him in class and he's sort of closed off and he's really insecure about like being put on the spot in front of classmates. And we find out in this episode that he can't read. (laughs) And it's so sad. I shouldn't laugh. Jordan can't read. I know. Oh God. Yeah. Because one of the reasons I loved Jordan, not just because he was dreamy in that very so nineties way, but he wasn't like, the popular jock guy. That's not who she went for. This was like the moody, stunning, mm-hmm. uh, kind of mysterious guy who is well known, but not popular. It's that, that right. kind of perfect popular place in high school where you're not a cheerleader popular, but because you've carved out your own, like James Dean kind of mystique about you. Yeah. Everybody knows who you are. Every girl, many of the boys are in love with you. Yeah. Angela has been obsessed with him forever. That's kind of how when the episode first starts, like she <laughs> she goes right to the most Angela place and is daydreaming about her romantic life and kind of saying <laughs> like how she's disappointed that her romantic life hasn't even begun. And she, she says something like, I've always dreamed about like, you know, I would fall in love, like nursing an injured soldier back to health. Yeah. And so dramatic. Like, I love Girl, it. Girl, you are 15 I like, know. in a suburb. What, what are you she, talking about? She says, I actually wrote this down because I thought it was so 
so just it's just such an angela quote she said love is when you look into someone's eyes and you go all the way inside their soul and you both know instantly and then after she says the thing about like nursing an injured soldier she goes she goes i thought by the age of 15 i'd have a love life but i don't even have like a life like or a a like life (laughs) literally my first notes (laughs) same it's so so perfectly Angela. And then I even kind of wrote to myself, like, it's funny that Angela would go, well, Angela, Claire Danes would go on to play Juliet in Romeo yeah. and Juliet. Like, the yes. one of the ultimate, like, romantic, you know, female figures. Yeah, because it is really funny. I think about that a lot when I'm watching this, because her delivery is very Shakespearean. Of, like, yes. when she, her internal thoughts, the way that she, like, explains how she's feeling, it's very poetic. It is. And just so beautifully, like, it's all so beautifully spoken, but so simple. <laughs> like, she says things sometimes where I'm, like, I'm, like, fully leaning back on my couch, like, bitch, whoa. Later in the episode, she says, like, something that I have said to myself at least twice a week. She's like, I wish there was just a button that you could, like, push that would make you stop talking. It's like, yeah. How do you <laughs> see... How do you see into my soul, Angela Chase? How? I know. <laughs> like, I'm fully like, uh, love is when you look into someone's eyes and just know. Like, that is how I feel about Angela's words. <laughs> um, and also, Angela's mom is in the bathroom with her dad obsessing over the way she looks. And, yes. Um, there's just something... Sometimes there's this really subtle thing in this show. Um... And sometimes, I don't know, it's like one of my favorite things is that they sort of emphasize the way people feel with these like subtle statements. They're not like big, broad, wild, outrageous statements. They just say little things or they'll give like a little look or like a huff. And it means so much for everybody. <laughs> it's the the Angela sigh where like her her posture changes and she you can feel her just like, it's like the weight of this. Yes. The weight of that, like, teen drama that at that time when you were, like, a 15, 16-year-old kid. Yeah. Everything feels that heavy. And she's just so good. And I knew that, I know that she was that age playing it, but it's it's beyond her just being that age. Like, she's just so good. Everybody's so good in this. But I know. she, in particular, is so good. And, and she's I- also so grungy in, like, 90s and, like, so moody oh. in that sense, too. So 90s. Oh. You know what I mean? Um... But her mom has this sort of passive, sometimes very emphasized and then sometimes like sort of uh, not as in your face obsession with vanity mm-hmm. and like her look sort of being the thing that she was good at when, you know, in her prime. And now that she's sort of lost, uh, she feels like she's losing that thing and she's sort of like confused about who she is and what her identity is without her like young girl face. Right. Um, and it crosses paths with Angela in this really interesting way because she looks at Angela as like, she's gorgeous. Like she's so pretty and she's like so smart and beyond her years, but Angela's so insecure and thinks that nobody could ever understand it. Like they just have this very sort of interesting dynamic. And it is very, like for me, her relationship with her mom was, it, it reminds me a lot of my relationship with my mom. My mom came, it was born and raised in Mexico and came here as a teenager. So she had some of her school life there and some here. So she didn't have that, like, uh, Angela's mom was like prom queen type of, she was literally the prom queen of like yeah. the high school Angela went to. My mom didn't have that kind of background, but 
my mom was like the funny, popular, like pretty one. And yeah. like super outspoken, a lot of friends, a lot of like socializing. And I was like a teen and goth. So yeah. I, I see some of the Patty stuff happening where she had, she was defined by how pretty she was and how popular she was in high school. And now she's in this whole other stage of her life trying to figure it out. And in some ways trying to lift Angela up like to her potential in, in her like in Patty's view, she's not criticizing yeah. Angela. I just like I just want to get the hair out of your face. I just want to take you to the dermatologist. Yeah. But Angela Put hears your shoulders it all. up. Right. Angela hears it all as you're not as pretty as me. You're not as you know, you're ugly. And that's how, just how you hear it when your mom says stuff like that to you. And I yeah, remember as, as a kid, like you just like you just can't accept the way I am. Yeah. Like, you want me to die. <laughs> you think I'm hideous. Because your um, mom's like, tie your shoe. You're like, you crazy right. bitch, what are you talking about? <laughs> you monster. <laughs> um, and they skip to a scene where they're on a field trip and Angela, oh. another one of her, one of my favorite quotes from her. <laughs> I just think this is so funny. She says, field trips are so intense. It's like everybody has, everybody has been let out, out of their cages or something. Like we're loose. <laughs> so... It's just so, and like that immediately takes you right back to being in high school or in middle school and like how weird it is to look around and see the class in like a new environment. Yes. Just like free. That's so true. Yep. The same as, yeah. So simply. As when you would see like teachers outside of school, it's this like yes. <gasps> animals out of the cage. Like, yes. what, what is You're this? Free. Oh, but like, they've got us, yeah. They, they, they still have to bring it back with Rayanne being the most Rayanne. <laughs> I I love Rayanne so much. I would have hated being her friend, probably, because she would have driven me crazy. Yeah. But, um, so Angela's written this note, or this not even a note, it's a letter, it's five pages, like yeah. single space, back and forth, back, front and back page, uh, where she puts down all her feelings about Jordan, because she spent the first, you know, part of the season obsessing over him and kind of getting close to him, and it kind of, like, all blows up in their faces. And so... This is when she's decided she's over Jordan because she's written down every feeling she's ever had about him. And she doesn't want to show him the note, but she needs other people that are not him to read the note yeah. to see that she's over him. So she gives the note to Rayanne and says, like, you can't show it to anybody. Don't lose it, whatever. And, like, Rayanne, in the most Rayanne way, it essentially instantly loses the note. Like, yeah. flirting with a grown man who works at the museum just leaves it like on a display somewhere. Um, and I just love Rayanne. She's, she can't be tamed. She, I mean, she's also kind of going, there's this like before the, it gets a little darker with her drinking, yeah. but um, throughout like the whole, the kind of throughout the whole episode, you're seeing kind of parts of Angela that because she's also introspective, she also just kind of has her head up her ass Yes. At all times. Like, I, not that I'm shitting on Angela Chase. I love Angela Chase. I was Angela Chase. But she's just in her own head. Like, she's got such Angela blinders on that she can't see, like, her best friend has a drinking problem and is flirting yeah. with a grown, like, an inappropriately aged man <laughs> at the museum. Yeah. Um, she can't see that, you know, later on in the episode, we'll see, like, she can't see that Ricky's in love with Jordan or has a crush on Jordan, too. That Brian loves her. Like, Brian's, like, obsessed with her. But, so, she has all these feelings on the, in this note, and she gives it to her best friend, and her best friend, like, 
instantly loses it. But before she finds out she loses it, um, she and Jordan are kind of doing the thing where they're noticing each other, but pretending to not notice each other. And he kind of leaves the room and sort of sort of baits her into following him, which of course we're going to follow him because I who is kidding? not going to follow Jordan Catalano? Are you kidding? Into the depths of hell. <laughs> and poor Brian Crack, I was just watching this whole thing play out. Like, remember, the, like the teacher told us to stay with the group. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Angela, please, I beg of you, like don't go to the don't go to the Jordan Catalano. So she goes to Jordan, and she's able to have for the one of the first times a real conversation with him. Yeah. And he's humming a song and he's telling her like, Oh, I've had this tune in my head all day. I just, I just can't get it out of my head. Clearly wanting her to ask him about it. So, you know, he's kind of telling her about the song and he, it's a song that he wrote cause he's in this new band called the frozen embryos with Tino. Of course it's Tino. Um, and it's just, he's excited about this thing he can do. Like you don't know, until a little later in the episode, but you don't know that Jordan isn't as good at everything as he is at like music. So he's proud of this thing he's done and he's, he likes this girl and he's kind of trying to show off this thing that he can do to her. But everything means so much more to Angela than it does in real life that she interprets it as he's connected with me. He's finally gotten it. Like he gets it. Now that like my attitude has changed and somehow that's magically meant that he now understands the depths of my feelings and the depths of my soul. And now he's trying to connect with me like a real person and he's letting me in. And it's like, girl, he just wrote a song and he thinks it's good. And you're a pretty girl that he likes. Angela and Jordan are just never on the same page. Like maybe they're in the same book, but they are never on the same page. And when you said, like, pick one episode that kind of best wraps up their, or not best wraps up, but best, like, you know, defines their relationship, this is 100% the best episode. They're in the same room, talking to each other, hearing two completely different things. Yeah. Like, having two... more than one day, too. Like, yeah. They go several days not having having the same conversation, and it's completely different. Right, right. Same conversation in two different languages. I love the museum scene because I think there's so many of those subtle moments that I was talking about earlier, like those subtle sort of non-spoken moments that don't really need to be verbalized. You can just feel them with a look. Mm-hmm. And it's so intense. Like, when you look at... You know, you see the way that Brian looks at her and, like, he, she's he's so unseen by her. Oh. And he's so, like, not validated by her constantly. And it's funny because it's... It, they. I just think that this show, like, depicts the miscommunication between teenagers in a way that I've never actually seen on TV. And I still haven't. Yeah. But the sort of, like... um. You know, like, she's in love with Jordan in the way that Brian is in love with her. And she doesn't see that this guy is also following her around the museum that she's following Jordan around. Right. And then her friend Ricky, who can't express his feelings about, like, who he loves because he's gay, Uh is so clearly in love with Jordan, too. Right. And, like, you know what I mean? It's just such um, And none of them really care enough to, like, really think that deeply about it. They're just like, eh. I got my own shit going on. <laughs> right. You know what they I mean? Yeah. They can't see like beyond their own situation, which is how like a 15, 16 year old 
Thanks. Yeah. Like, of course, and my feelings feels are the most unseen. important. Yeah. yeah. All the, every single person in a, in a, every teenager in a room in a, 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 like, museum field trip feels unseen by every other person in the room. Oh, oh the way you, you know? said, like, Brian feels unseen by her. Oh, God, it just breaks my heart for poor Brian Krakow. He just chases <sighs> her around all day. He spends most of his day just praying that she'll, like, uh-huh. indulge him in a conversation or respond to something he says in, like, a nice way. And, like, yeah. when she is nice to him, his face lights up. Ugh. And it's just so, like... Um, but, uh, yeah, so Rianne sets the letter down, of course, completely disregards her feelings. Like, knowing that, like, her entire soul is written down <laughs> on these pages, and she just sets it down on some fucking bookshelf. And, uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, he ends up pulling her into like a, a weird corner of the library, the the museum and they go over the song and she thinks that the song is like written about her and her face is all Ooh. like lit up. And that's another thing that Claire Danes uh, conveys really well is just like, just unsaturated, just glee. Like she's just so, she's like <laughs> running her hands through her hair and giggling and moving her head around. And she's just so like, She's so happy. And, like, you want to be happy for her, but you know that this is, like, not what she thinks it is. It's uh, Rayanne who says it, like, in a scene when they're on the bleachers, and she says, like, you know you know what this means? And Angela's like, yeah. What does it mean? Because like, she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because Rayanne's excited about something. Something's happening, but I yeah, don't yeah. know what's happening. You know, and Rayanne says, like, it means, like, this is happening. Like, you and Jordan are happening. Yeah. Angela's face, like, when she realizes that, oh my God, I might get this person like on the terms that I need this time. It's just heartbreaking because you know that you can see it. You can, you can almost see it. Maybe watching as an adult, you can kind of see and feel the crash coming towards the end of the episode. But for sure, watching this like the first time around, I was right there with her. I was like, yes, girl, it's going to happen. Music is going to swell. He's, you know, you're going to ride off into the sunset in that beautiful car that also happens to be red that you're not paying attention to. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He also, they're in class the next day and Brian um, asks, by the way, Brian is uh, Angela's, a neighbor and you can tell right. that they kind of have like a they've been friends since childhood kind of thing uh-huh. and she just kind of sees him as like an extension of her life like he's not you know he's just there like he just exists in her he, life every day yeah yeah um he asks her uh if he can have his malcolm x book back which you can kind of tell is like that just an excuse for him because he literally says like i've already read it and they have like a report to do about it and he's literally done it but he just like is eager to get the book back because it means right. we'll communicate. <laughs> which is just so sad and it's so Brian. Oh, so Brian. Um, and yeah, she looks through him again in class in a way that makes him feel invisible. And the thing that, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I, I started to clock it and then I started kind of like <clears throat> purposely paying attention. But every time Angela speaks to Brian, whenever it's a scene where he like initiates conversation with her, when she rejects him, the camera will like defocus him or just pan away. Like they oh, just. Oh, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, in class when she goes to talk to him and he, she just sort of ignores him about the book. He just fades out, and then it focuses on Angela again, and then you don't see him again. It's really sad. Oh, it really oh, is. Brian. 
I know. I know. It's really I'm gonna sad. Have to rewatch. I'm going to have to re- do a, a Brian rewatch. <laughs> um, so Jordan has the note. They're in class and everybody's left class and he has the note and he's got it all folded up and he gives it back to her and says like, hey, like here's that note that you left at the, at the museum the other day. And he promises her that he didn't read it. And uh, she told him that, you know, she wrote it about a friend and it's about this guy that I like and his name, I couldn't say it in the note because he may find it. So I had to use your name <laughs> because it's easier than using the guy's name that I actually like. And it's not about you. And he's like, I literally read three words of it. I promise you, I didn't read the goddamn note. <laughs> she, yeah, she, and then she doesn't believe him. And, you know, she calls him out and she says like, there's no way that you would find a five page note that starts with your name and not read it. And he tries to cover up and says like, I mean, I read parts of it, but it didn't hold my interest. Yeah. And she is not happy. Yeah. She's like, you're Ms. not going to class. Sir. Ms. Chase is like, Oh no, 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 no. I don't <laughs> pour my soul out and it not hold your interest. And she's kind of like, she's uh, like, mad and mad enough like she actually like gets like up in his face and says you know well i'd really like to know what what it was that didn't hold your interest like what what was it about it that that you didn't like you know was it too honest too many feelings and then she says too many big words um and he he flinches in this way that if you have not seen this show i beg of you to please go watch just for the acting alone. Oh my God. He flinches in a way that she, without him saying a word, understands. Yeah. And she's like, oh my God, you can't read it. Like you, yeah. you, you couldn't read it. And so it, it comes out that he has a problem reading. Um, I think he tells her later, it's not that he can't read. It's just that he, he can't read very well. Like yeah. there's some issue with how, how well he can read. Um, yeah, like but, he can do a few words of every sentence. Yeah, but he, he just, you know, and probably bigger words, that's probably why it hurt, because bigger words probably are a bit more of a stumbling block for him. Yeah. But um, now she feels like she has this insight to him that nobody else has. And then he ends up not inviting her, but not not inviting her yeah, to weird. band rehearsal. Like, he for sure puts it out there. She takes the bait and kind of pushes the issue a little bit like she he's telling her like oh yeah we're we're rehearsing in this place you should hear the song sometime and she's kind of like oh so so i should i should go i should i should show up at this place and he's like well i mean we're gonna be there and so you can be in the room with us if you want it's just very like you want yeah he's not putting himself out there at all so now same as as the same sad story of these two where he just thinks oh this cute girl i kind of like is gonna come see i she's gonna be able to see me shine in this new light Mm -hmm. and angela is like he bared his soul to me and now he's inviting me forward even more like this is a done deal he is ripping his chest cavity open and allowing me to crawl inside him like this is this is it this is happening and I know, like, the most vulnerable thing about him. Like, maybe his deepest secret. Yes. Oh, oh God, Angela. And whenever they're having, like, a really... Whenever they get vulnerable with each other, whenever Jordan, like, you think that this, like, this moment's about to happen where he spills his guts and, like, you can see her light up and she's, like, floating off the ground. And then one of his, like, loser friends will show up and be like, Hey, Jordan, come <laughs> on, man. We gotta go, brother. It's so one of the like, embryos. The embryos are calling. 
Yeah. <laughs> he he <laughs> must answer the call of the embryos at all times. <laughs> This guy's like, come on, man, leave this girl alone and get out of this room that you're being vulnerable with her in, in a dark room alone. Um, and it always forces him to, like, immediately go back into, like, you know, young boy mode. Like, oh, well, uh, all right, well, I'll see you later, strange person. Not right. friend, not girlfriend, bye. Um, so, he, yeah, he sort of half-assed invites her. And then, yeah, they're, again, miscommunication. They're on a completely different wavelength. They just had completely yes. different conversations. She is like, he needs me. Yes. This man needs me. He's the wounded soldier. Yes. Oh, she 100% sees that wounded soldier. And I think she sees what he said as an invitation to her. Like yeah. he wouldn't have told me this thing about himself if he didn't want me to help him with it. If he didn't want me to know this like vulnerability about him. And, like, for Jordan, it just was kind of like, well, there's this thing we talked about, whatever, got to go to practice, band yeah. eight, frozen embryos, Tino, bye. Like, it, it, yeah. it's two different conversations. To him, it was just like, he is letting her in a little bit, like, with the, you know, with telling her about the music, because it, in some way, it is some vulnerability, like, when you're doing something creative, like, inviting somebody to listen to it or to read it or to see it. Yeah. So there is like a little bit of, of there's like these, like these crumbs that he's kind of throwing at her. Yeah. But you know, he likes the attention that he gets. Yeah. From her. Oh, for sure. And I think he does like her. It's not like he doesn't have feelings for her and he doesn't like her, Yeah. but he's just seen it, you know, like he's intensity level two and she's, you know, broken the meter. She's yeah. like needle flew out the door. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in the next scene, we have so Angela's mom is like sort of going through this weird thing where like she thinks she missed her period and she thinks that she could possibly be pregnant and she's getting coffee or lunch or something with her best friend and they're talking about like the possibility that she could be pregnant. Mm -hmm. Her friend reminds her that you know it could also it hasn't even crossed her mind that it could also just be menopause. Like you right. also maybe just no longer have a period. <laughs> Like, you may not be with child. And uh, she's, like, confronted with her mortality mm -hmm. and, like, the loss of her youth. And, you know, there's this this constant thing happening between Angela and her mom where Angela's going through all of these sort of, like, milestone moments as, like, a young girl. And then her mom is going through these weird milestone moments as, like, an older woman. Right. Sort of clawing her way back to where her daughter is and having it... Having, like, egg in her face constantly where people... I mean, the whole episode, the people are, like, laughing at her for thinking she could be pregnant. And, right. You know, sort of making fun of her. And it's it's really vulnerable for her. It is. Th this is one of the reasons why I love the show so much. That Angela and her mom are clearly, like, nearly identical twin stars in the universe. Yes, just, yes, You know, yes. they're just at two separate points of their lives. And this yes. show does it so well where... Angela is more of the focus, but when you pay attention to the storylines, like her mom is going through just a different version of it, like right. just the, the later life version of it. Yeah. And they, it's almost like Angela and her mom, like one of them is going, you know, Angela's going up the escalator, Patty's coming down the escalator and they're kind of yeah. seeing each other crossing, you know, paths kind of in that way. But like, now that I'm on the patty end of, of this age spectrum, like you can see that like 
oh, like I'm not that age anymore. Those things aren't happening for me. They're happening for her. And you're sort of like trying to navigate where you are, but also kind of sad. And I don't have kids, but I can just from like, you know, my own relationship with my mom, a little bit of resentment on the mom's side where like, I have to let go of that now. I don't, I don't belong in that world anymore. That's her experience now. And I don't get to, I'm not the young, pretty one anymore. And like, like, let her be upset about it. Right, right. Like I'm not the fresh, yeah, I'm not the fresh beauty anymore. I'm in this different category now and how to like get through that gracefully. And Angela and Patty are so much alike. So much alike. Being, it is, I mean, it's unreal. Like the way that they handle stress and like the, the even physically, the mm-hmm. way that they handle stressful situations, like it's identical. It's, it's just, unbelievable. Yeah. It's just such good writing. It was such good writing and such good, like such incredible, like character development that, yeah. Oh, I, I like, have you, I don't know if you've ever seen waiting for Guffman. There's no, there, it's a Christopher guest mockumentary and there's this, uh, it's like a small town acting, like community theater group. And there's one guy who's obsessed with the theater director and obsessed with being part of this group. And he never gets cast in any of the plays. And he's the town pharmacist and he's in the audience. And so it's a mockumentary. So there's like the documentary crew is talking to him on opening night. And he's just like, I just think the show is great. And I just wish I could have been a part of it. And I just, he starts to lose it. And he's just like, I just really want to be a part of that. I wish I was a part of this show. And he just like <laughs> yeah. loses it. And th- it's like, that's how I feel about this show where it's like, I love it so much. I almost get angry. Like I go from, I, I arc through the happiness that I, I swing into anger that it's gone. It was taken from me, taken too soon. Yeah. It's so good. It's just so good. And I realizing now, like not the fashion, but a lot of the themes of the show have aged really well because Beyond. you saw it as through Angela's eyes. And then you kind of are in that weird little transition, like where you're, you can see both. And now I'm in the Patty and Graham, like in the parent, like camp where I yeah. can see it from the parents point of view and like, Oh my God, these kids are ridiculous, but beautiful little angels that I love watching them through this lens now, like through these, you know, like bless their heart sort of. Yeah. And they're not like, it's not a typical teen drama in the sense that their their issues are revolve around like I don't know cell phones and shit. Like right. it's about human mm-hmm. reaction and like human compa- compatibility. Something that just will never. It's timeless. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You could watch this in like the year twenty million or whatever, and it will always work. Yeah. Um, speaking of, this is something that I really wanted to talk to you about because it's one of the most one of the most fascinating things about the show to me. So in the next scene, they're on the bleachers and um, Angela Rayanne and Ricky are talking about the moment, like what we mentioned earlier, that like, she's like, you know, this is like it, like it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And like, by the way, it happened because of me, because I lost the letter. So like, <laughs> you know, this revolves around me even still. Um, but I just think there's such an interesting contrast between the way Angela and Rayanne navigate relationships with men mm-hmm. and you know ran is like this very carefree like you know manic pixie dream girl uh just super experienced with guys and she sort of prides herself on bringing like this like self-proclaimed like like slut and she thinks it's like cool and she like wears it like a like a like a almost like armor right and um while she's also still like very insecure and it's very obvious that she's super insecure and like has these moments of being very vulnerable. Um, yeah. 
you know, whereas, like, Angela's, like, basically a newborn baby. She's barely kissed a boy, and every interaction she has with a guy feels like this milestone to her. Like, mm-hmm. that was a big moment. We talked at the locker for three minutes. Like, I'm becoming a woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, Angela protects herself from everything in this, like, Angela cocoon. And Rayanne, like, if, I mean, Rayanne, like, throws herself in front of emotional traffic. Yeah. Like, and yes. that's how each yes. one of them kind of protects themselves. Like, they're, they're both, like, it's what everybody was kind of looking for at that age. Like, they both, like, want to be loved. And Angela mm-hmm. gets love from her parents and kind of wants the romantic love. And Rayanne gets not romantic love, but you know, sexual romantic attention from men, but doesn't yeah. have that parental love that Angela has. Yeah. Like they're both kind of missing equal parts of what the other one has. And that's probably why they're such good friends. And they came together like that. Angela kind of reached the age where her friends stopped being exactly like her. And she started seeking out kind of like the friends that have what you're missing. Yeah. Uh, like, she was friends with another kind of preppy popular girl, um, Sharon Chersky, uh, yeah. who it, her, Angela's mom and Sharon's mom are best friends also. So it was like this perfect little, like, oh, our daughters are best friends and we're best friends. Yeah. But and that's were- so realistic. <laughs> and now we're not friends and it's weird. That is so fucking real. In high school, it was everything to, like, change friend alliances. And mm-hmm. it was never, like, a simple, like oh, okay, well, I'll just talk to you another time or we'll just hang out mm-hmm. later, whatever. We'll keep keep in touch. It was like battle lines were drawn. Yes. You know, blood oaths were signed. No turning back. It was a betrayal. Yeah. It, you know, if Angela were to go back to speak to Sharon, it's a betrayal to Rayanne. It, it's so over-the-top high school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we get like a really quick little scene where her parents are going over the times that they've had sex in the past couple months and you know what they'll do if they're pregnant and they're both nervous but also like sort of leaning into excitement Mm -hmm. like it's turning into this thing where they're like we could be having a baby right and they've like fantasized that it'll be a boy and um and and then her mom is like very subtly stress eating but like turning it into like well i'm pregnant like she's like eating nilla wafers (laughs) aggressively because she's pregnant with a baby boy um and then we get a really, a really like pivotal moment of this episode where Angela, Ricky, and Rand go to band practice to see Jordan rehearse his song. His song is called Red, oh. and um, in the chorus he keeps repeating, "I call her Red," which um, like they whisper in her ear, like "Um, hello, it's about you. Like your hair's red." Oh, Ricky really gently like picks up some locks of Angela's red hair, <laughs> and it's like red. <laughs> he's like it's you it's he you. calls you red oh, <laughs> oh god. she's like oh my god it is about me uh, yeah. he wrote a song about me oh god also that was relatable could, yeah. though. how could I she mean, not just, think it was about her jared leto on an acoustic guitar in the fake oh twang my god. Oh my god. <sighs> with that shearling jacket i can't i can't and he's like singing, yeah, that like he's singing in that like 90s alternative twang. It's that where he's like, I call her yeah. real. Like he's like giving you that alternative oh, twang. That- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like every hair on my arm was like ping, 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 ping. Rayanne and Ricky end up like leaving Angela at practice uh, so that she can like be with Jordan alone. 
and uh, he offers her a ride to her house, and they sit in the car, and, in the front seat, or in the, they sit in the front seat, like, right in the front yard of her house, and she's sort of asking him, almost, like, kind of, like, obsessively about the not reading thing, because she thinks, like, this is our thing. Right. Like, this is what we shared, so, like, let's be more vulnerable with each other about it, and he's like, I don't really constantly want to talk about how I can't read. Like, I'd love to... <laughs> Maybe move on to something else. <laughs> She's like, maybe you're dyslexic. My dad's brother's dyslexic. And he's like, that's when words are backwards. I literally just can't read. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> it was so funny. It's so awkward. Because in her mind, she's like, this is our thing. Of course he wants to talk, talk it's, about it. Yeah, it's their thing. And she's going to solve it. And she's going to fix it. Fix him. And he's going to, like, he's going to see that... If it hadn't been for her, he would never have been fixed. Like, I would be broken if not for you. Yeah. And that that's going to be what clinches it, and they're going to be together forever in a swell yes. of music. So, but, but he does just say, like, I don't really want to talk about it. And she just keeps talking about it. And then he just says, like, I can read. Just not good. He's like, I'm not some fucking hillbilly girl. I just, I can't read big words. I can't, yeah. Like, calm down. Like, stop, like, trying to make it, like, a thing. Um, and, uh, they end up kissing for the first time. A real kiss, not, like, a weird one. Like, an actual romantic... Angela's first real kiss. The She's chemistry... Explained, the chemistry in that front seat. Palpable like, from the other side of the internet. It is a teen dream. Like, I'm a grown woman. And I would swoon. <laughs> And I literally moment. wrote in my notes, <laughs> hold the phone. I literally wrote in my notes, when Angela gets out of the car, she spins around in her yard, and this scene never manages to not make me feel a full-on Katy Perry teenage dream fantasy. It, 100% it's 100% teenage dream fantasy. Yes. She's like, she, she's like elated. Like that feeling that you get when you're a teenager and something like this happens and you're like, I the world could end right now and I would be chill as fuck. I'm so yes. happy. It's just it's one of my favorite scenes. I love the background music and I love the way Claire Danes acts it out, like that the dancing and like her spinning around. It's just I get goosebumps thinking yeah. about it. And it's done yeah. It's just it's so it's just done so well and she handles it so well. And there really was an insane amount of chemistry between the yeah. two of them. And I know that like there was a bit of an inappropriate age difference IRL but doesn't matter right um it's just there because he's talking something about mountain men and like men making snow in the mountains or something even I couldn't yeah. keep up with um and they're just saying words to each other and not listening because each one of them is just staring so hard at the other one's face like they they are just making like filling up noise until they can make out and then they finally, yeah. like, he, he lays a kiss on her that is, is really one of the best, like, make-out scenes, like, on ever. TV. Yeah, ever. And it's so innocent and, like, quick. But it, it's yeah. just, like, so impactful and it means so much. And then he apologizes to her after he kisses her and she's like, oh, my God, like, what for? And he was like, oh, I interrupted what you were saying. And even my heart was like, okay, Jordan, I know. come on. I know. You I know. illiterate bastard. I know. Stop playing with my <laughs> I heart. I know. It's like, how dare you even backtrack, sir? <laughs> We're, we've moved on, clearly. Uh, 
And then the next morning, Angela's just like truly in like a lustful <sighs> state of mind. She's a woman now, and uh, she can't stop smiling. She's daydreaming. She's having a her first ever cup of coffee because Jordan mentioned that he likes to drink coffee with a black with a couple sugars. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So her parents are looking over at her like, "Are you fifteen and drinking a cup of hot coffee at the <laughs> counter?" Like. Like looking out into the sky, like what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> and she asks her parents if she's allowed to go on a date, and they tell her, you know, in other words, like you can't drink and you can't smoke and you can't be in the car with a drunk driver. Just all the things that you would say. You can't have unprotected sex. You can't have sex at all. <laughs> and also, by the way, we want to meet him before you go on a date. And she's like, "What? You wanted to come inside the house and meet you?" <laughs> And they're like, yeah, it'd be nice. And it's like, as an adult, like, as a teenager, hearing your parents say, like, I want to meet your friends that you're going to, like, do something debaucherous with. You're like, right. No. Oh, my God. Monsters, but, like, as an horror. adult? It's still, of course, want to meet your friends. Yeah, 100% reasonable. Just bring him over so we can say hi and, you know, yeah. get a description to give to the police if necessary. Yes. I want to see if he's some crazy hellion. We have the same glass. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Is <laughs> we are literally drinking out of the, the same, same glass. Exact same, like mo- mid century modern inspired <laughs> Amazon.com glass. 100%. That is, um, and like almost the same amount of water. The, yeah, that's well, yeah. hilarious. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. So Sorry. I couldn't ignore that. I was like, is that the same? Okay. Are those little uh, bubbles? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and this is like the first time that her parents realize that she really does have a crush on this guy and that she's like in love. Right. Um, and then Ricky and Angela in the next scene are talking about, or they're talking about Jordan at, uh, at her locker. She's contemplating going up to him and talking to him and Ricky uh, has this sort of like longing look, sad look on his face and Ricky knows Jordan's schedule. He's mentioned a couple times in the episode that he knows where he is at certain times of the day. And um, she kind of gives him this look like, why do you know where he is? And it's again, nonverbal, not spoken. It doesn't need to be. It's just this beautifully acted unspoken scene where she's like, Oh, you have a crush on him. And, and he's like, it's okay. Yeah. Oh, Ricky. Ricky was... Oh. Can I tell you that in one... <laughs> a long time ago, I, like, Instagrammed something about um, the dance episode and Wilson Cruz and the actress who played Delia, their, like, crazy 90s dancing, like, dance moves, like, club and oh, TV moves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Iconic. I said that dance scene, you know, lives in, in his... Like, will always live in history as, like, one of the great you know, like scenes on television and Wilson Cruz liked it. And I was like, I'm done with social media. I can end it all now. Yeah. Of all things to comp to have noticed, like my obsession with that scene, we, at at some point, my friends and I used to refer to like when you were having a great time and just like living your best life as like, I am like Ricky Vasquez dancing right now. Like I am (laughs) Ricky at the dance right now. Like it became a thing like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's also we should mention that he's the first uh, gay character on a, a, a network sitcom. That's right. Yeah. He's like, I mean, I remember watching this when I was really young and being like, just literally floating off. The, I was like Angela. I was like, I wanna be with you. Da, 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 da. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, but she's like, you know, contemplating talking to him, and she realizes that Ricky has a crush on him too. And like, it's like this weird thing where she's like, "Oh, Ricky, I love you," and they kind of like touch each other's heads, and it's just cute. Where it's like, they, nothing needs to be said about it, right? Um, right. And uh, it's just, it's just, it's my favorite thing, and I'm gonna keep saying it, but like, so much of the show is about people like not being seen and not feeling. Mm-hmm heard and like in moments like that where somebody is very heard it's like you feel it and it's really intense because nobody ever hears or feels anybody and you know for them to like have that nonverbal communication it's like oh she saw him and and ricky god i just love ricky so much because having like having this moment where your friend acknowledges you and it's all this stuff that's unsaid but acknowledged and he's still so generous with her and is just like it's okay and not that she was going to stop liking jordan because this is a freight train that is just not going to be stopped (laughs) yeah but it was really sweet like for him to have said you know like it's okay like i get it you know yeah nothing can be done like this this is like this is where i live right now like this this is what where i am like he, he knows I have tons of of crushes in our suburban high school that won't go anywhere. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate. Um, (laughs) She tells him that she can't stop thinking about... So Angela sees... uh, She's practicing, like, all these different ways to, like, say hi to Jordan. She's like, hey, 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 hi. And then he, he, like, walks up to her and she's just like, hey. Like, she says it in, like... (laughs) Her actual voice, which is, like, another just subtle, amazing thing where it's, like, she instinctively said hi to him in the way that any normal person would say hi. Like, there's no reason to ever have to practice the word hi. I wish people could have seen you doing the Angela highs right now. Perfection. Hands through hair. Um, Hey. Hi. Hey. (laughs) She tells her that she can't stop thinking about his song about her hair. Um, And that it reminds her of a movie. And she's being super, super awkward and, like, you know, telling her, like, basically trying to ask him to go to a movie, but, like, not saying it. It took her, like, 15 minutes to be, like, let's see a movie together. She's, yeah, she's dropping these, like, 20-pound, like, kettlebell hints. (laughs) And he finally picks one up towards the end. And he actually says, like, oh, oh, like, he gets it. Like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, we could we could do that. Like we could go to a yeah. movie some night. And like, oh, that's what you've been stuttering. <laughs> I'll finally I'll finally pick up this this bait you've been throwing. <laughs> yeah. And then she she uh, lets him in on the fact that he will have to meet her parents. Oh. And you can tell that she's communicating a date. Yes. And he's communicating like we're just hanging out. Right. You know, like she to her that's like she's like signing up to be on The Bachelor. Like. <laughs> This is when this. you take my hand, <laughs> you'll have to ask my parents first if you can like take me on our long, amazing date that you're going to plan out. Um, and she tells her parents about it. They're having anxiety about you know not only meeting Jordan Catalano like the guy, but like the fact that they're you know they're going to be meeting this guy that represents their daughter like growing up. Like they're you know she's going on a date. Right. She's 15 and she's in love and and they can't stop her and. This is a big deal. It's like right. their first time meeting a guy that she likes. Um, and I think like Graham has food because he's the the chef 
Uh, so he, he mm-hmm. like, you know, channels the anxiety to the food, to the food. So he's got like a plate mm-hmm. of some like, you know, nibbles that he's putting down. And Angela is in like this kind of crocheted monstrosity <laughs> like, <God>. dress. <laughs> like so like the most hideous thing in the 90s. And she pulled it out of her closet and she's got tons of makeup on and just fidgeting. And like she and Patty do the same sort of fidget yep. dance kind of thing. And there's a knock at the door <laughs> and Patty in the most Patty like takes it like stops, takes a beat and like <sighs> yeah. practices her human smile, opens a door yes. and immediately just laughs in Brian Krakow's face. And it's, just, like, oh, it's just, just, just Brian. Brian. No, who cares? It's just Brian. Nobody has to care. Dumb Nobody has to put on airs for him. Yeah, Dumbass Brian. Come on in. <laughs> and like poor Brian walks in oh. to get his Malcolm X book that he's had his heart set on for all week. Um, and as always, Angela just sort of, like, looks through him, doesn't see him. She barely even notices that he's in the room. And he is just completely enamored by the idea that she is a lady of the night all of a sudden. <laughs> and, like, teal blue eyeshadow, eyeliner. And she's got, like, some tendrils curled on the front of her head. Like, she looks, like, she looks insane. I forgot about the hair curls. Oh. Like, she has, like, four pieces of hair that is curled with the teeniest this little curling iron that you've ever seen like wing wing yeah wing. N- not brushed out they came out of the no. curling iron and were never touched yes. <laughs> yeah just full Shirley Temple curls right just White right sausage here. curls oh god forgot about the curls <laughs> he's like very visibly jealous that she's going on a date and that she's dressed up and that she cares so much and this is really funny one of my favorite things about this episode her sister is in love with Brian and it's like just to hammer in the fact that none of these people see each other mm-hmm. her sister is lusting and following him around and like just doing anything she can to get his attention and he doesn't see her nope and he looks nope. through her yep and he makes her feel the way that angela makes him feel and the way that jordan makes her feel it's like this it's just it's just so subtle and so beautiful <sighs> and wild just beautiful like russian nesting dolls of yeah like, ignored 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 <laughs> yeah. people yeah um so jordan and his friends get invited to a party while angela is at home with her family on the couch waiting for him to come and uh you know she's like sort of trying to like play it off and be cool and she's like you know we, it wasn't like a serious thing like you know we didn't make like plans we just talked about hanging out or whatever and she's visibly really upset and it's embarrassing. Oh, God. Like, in, to have been stood up is bad enough. But to have been stood up, like, in front of your parents. Yeah. And have just, had them wait yeah, with like you, a like, thing they waited. Been, a thing had been made. Like, a deal, big deal had been made. And it's just, yeah. oh, just all blowing up in your face. And you've got so much makeup on and the curls. and. Ugh. But also, I, I forgot that. When she and Brian start to argue because Brian is sad that she's going to see someone else and then is incensed when that someone else turns out to be Jordan. And she tells him that she was going to take him to go see um, uh, The Bicycle Thieves, uh, like an Italian, old Italian movie with subtitles. He can't read. Yeah. And she's going to take him to a subtitled foreign movie. So if it's nothing, so Angela. If nothing else ever tells you, like, if we had to do a, like a Vine version of this podcast, 
and it had eight seconds to do it. That right there. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. It's she so has a crush true. on him. He can't read. She wants to take him to an Italian movie with subtitles. She's like, the let's end. go to the library and silently read books on our Yeah, date. the end. <laughs> and then in one of the most heartbreaking scenes Ugh. in the entire series, she goes upstairs and she shuts her door and she walks over to her closet. Just in like, that was also so real to me that like she didn't like go clop on her bed. Like her, mm-hmm. she walked over to like a very weird random part of her room and just plummeted to the ground and, and held herself in the fetal position like inside her closet. Yeah. And oh, it was yeah. awkward and like, it, you know, unlike um, on a more like cheesy surface level show about the same subject matter, she would have like slammed the door and like laid in her bed and cried into a pillow. But it she, it would have been Ramona Singer crying yes. on her bed like that gif. Yeah. The crying shaking on the bed. <laughs> but this was like she's so hurt and so like just crushed that yeah. she has to go into the darkest corner of her room and just, like, hold herself so that, like, nobody can hear her or see her hurting this much. Yeah. Oh, it's just... It's devastating to watch. She just, like... Just, like, a dagger right through your heart. Yeah. Claire Danes. God damn, Claire Danes. I know. <laughs> I need to Fucking watch Homeland. Beautiful. Oh, you... I, when you do, I know. tell me. I will. Um, and... You know, considering how, like, monumental every interaction she's had with him is to this point, like, it really, it makes you realize that all of that was to kind of help you understand, like, how painful it is when he hurts her. Because, like, him just talking to her at her locker for four minutes makes her fucking high for four days, you know? Right, right. So for him to do this, which is, it would make any anybody feel bad, no matter how old you are, um... I mean, it's like, yeah, like you said, he like ripped her heart out. Right. Um, it was very like, like Darlene on The Simpsons, like taking Bart's <gasps> heart and like throwing it up against the treehouse. Yes. And, like sliding Drop down. kicking it down. Oh god. You know. <laughs> um. <laughs> and uh, she, the next day, she's like, she's like daydreaming in the kitchen and like looking off and like just like in pain and like awkward and like not connecting with anybody. And in one of her iconic like. Her iconic quote, she says, she says, this life has been a test. And if it had been an actual life, you would have received instructions on where to go and what to do. (laughs) (laughs) I live. Um, And then we cut to a scene. Actually, weirdly, my favorite scene in the whole episode. Yes. They cut to a scene in the girls' bathroom where everything in this show happens. The girls' bathroom is everything. Um, And uh, Sharon, her old best friend, Mm -hmm. her mom's best friend's daughter, and Rayanne, her current best friend, Manic Pixie Dream Girl, are forced to interact. And they hate each other. They're enemies. They don't like each other. And um, I think that this is one of the most... This relationship between these two... Even though they don't interact all the time, mm-hmm. I feel like is one of the most accurate depictions of like young adolescent like female competitiveness mm-hmm. for no reason. Yep. Um, that I think I've ever seen on TV. And like Sharon and Rayanne are both like threatened by they're like threatened by each other, but like it's almost like they see bits of themselves in each other 100%. and also the things in each other that they like wish they were. Yeah. In each totally. other, you know? Yep. There's complete polar opposites. 
And like, you know, Sharon is like super uptight and straight laced and she's reserved and she has a lot of um, anxiety surrounding like what people think of her and her body and her sexuality. And then, you know, Rayanne is like literal opposite mm-hmm. in every single way possible. And, um, you know, she sort of like views Rayanne as this like liberated slut almost right. in like a good and bad way. <laughs> You know what I mean? And then Rayanne views her as this, like, buttoned-up goody two-shoes who also, like, is more... gets more respect from... From people than her. Yeah, who, like... In a way that she has has, like, her shit together in a way that Rayanne can't even fathom doing. Right. And the opposite, true for, you know, Sharon seeing Rayanne. Like, Sharon sees Rayanne have this freedom with herself and just not giving a fuck about anything in a way that she knows she can't ever let go. Like she, she knows I can never be that loose. And Rayanne sees Sharon and says like, I could never be that put together. And there's a part of them that is a little kind of, if not envious, like at least I wonder what that would be like. Like how would my, how would my life be different if I could be a little bit more like the other one? Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like they're forced to even think about it because Angela is what they have in common. Mm-hmm. And they both are, Angela is so important to both of them. And um, for Sharon, it's like, why did, why does she, like, she, she's friends with you because you are wild and loose and fun and crazy. And she's got red hair now and she's wild <laughs> and crazy. And you guys are this wild and crazy bunch. And I'm like, you know, I'm not cool enough to be friends with you. But then I feel like Rayanne views, you know how you have a friend that you feel really close to, but then you meet their friend that they've known longer. Yes. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> <sighs> you know, and you're like, well, damn it. I don't have those preschool memories with you. Right. Um, you know, and, there's like this weird thing where they're like, Rayanne is like, I'll never know her as well as you do. And that's annoying. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's so realistic, but they don't talk about these things. It's just, it's just, it's just there. And you just know. That's how good the show is too. And it's also like the people that are into this show. Uh, It's almost like you had to have, (laughs) you had to be, you know, a little smarter, a little more, you know, tender, you know, tenderhearted, yes. like those are the yeah. people that were drawn to this show. It's people that were probably like a lot of the characters written yeah, in the show. Sure. And it was just done so well. Yeah. Um, so then Rand asked Sharon, like how things are going with her jockey football boyfriend. He's like this letterman wearing jock that like only wants to sleep with her and like is not afraid to like to tell her. Um, and Sharon told her that she decided to remain a virgin until she was married um, which is basically like giving Rayanne like it's like giving Rayanne it's like giving a state to a rabid dog <laughs> like she's going to latch onto that and be like huh let's see what we can pull out of you like in regards to this virginity thing um, and Rayanne basically tells her in other words that she feels numb um, and that they're both sort of experiencing uh, this sort of like numbness and sadness about sexuality mm-hmm. on completely opposite ends of the spectrum where Rayanne will hook up with anybody and it feels like nothing right. and then Sharon wants to have sex with people but she's like afraid and she feels lonely and it's just it's just so beautifully yeah. acted yeah um and then Angela is at the locker with Ricky and Rayanne and she's telling them how upset she is and she tells Rayanne um 
She says, your relationships are short, but at least they mean something. <laughs> She's like, you just hook up with strangers, but God, at least they look fun. Uh, <laughs> which is like iconic given the fact that we just saw this conversation in the bathroom where she literally says like she feels I nothing feel yeah numb. You yeah know, like i'm i'm sad um and uh as angela's saying that she never wants to speak to speak to jordan again or think about him literally as the last syllable is leaving her mouth he turns the corner in slow motion in all of his 90s beauty his hair is billowing <sighs> his flannel is is billowing his jeans are billowing because they're massive and uh he's walking towards her and she says it's kind of like driving past a horrible car accident that you have to look at um and she walks away and doesn't speak to him and then another really intense emotional moment ricky is like talking to him and he's like close to him and you know ricky's thinking like oh, i love you too you know what I mean? and he's like what's wrong with her and um ricky tells her that uh you know, or tells him that you know she's upset like you you didn't call her and you left her crying yeah. on the fucking floor of her room what do you mean um and and jordan says quote he goes it's like she knows too much about me or something not really but it's like she makes everything too big of a deal or something like she makes everything too complicated the most true statement ever i mean he's not wrong he is the man is not wrong if, they, if he's one thing he's observant uh it's like yeah she's also 15 by the way right. um <laughs> just sort of being a girl um and then angela's mom ends up taking her pregnancy test and based on their reactions you realize that after all this time has passed they've both come to completely different terms with what it would mean to have a kid and it's opposite i think of what the, aud- the audience is probably thinking it would be um where she's elated and you think like oh my god she's happy so it means that she's gonna want you know she's gonna be pregnant right 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 and it she ends up being elated because she's not and then he is sad because he wanted a baby boy yeah oh that was a sweet scene when she said like oh graham your son like i know she thought that again parallel to jordan and angela they were having the same conversation but in two slightly different languages where she thought talking about having this baby, it was just a kind of like a placeholder conversation where I don't think she thought it was that real. And when she said we could have a son, you know, like it could be, maybe it's a boy. I think she yeah. was, it was just talking. It was just talk, like talk yeah. to talk to be, to fill in that nervous space until she could get, find out like what's, what's really happening. And he took it much more to heart because it meant a son for him like the son that he kind of until it was offered kind of to him he didn't realize he would want right and so when patty just is kind of like oh like well thank god that's over yeah she doesn't realize she she didn't see that graham had kind of fallen in love with this idea of having a son it's very sweet moment between them and he you know he they're right they're fine i I don't think he really wanted to start all over again but he just needed it's almost like it's funny because it's almost like she <clears throat> she was living the fantasy when it meant, like, I'm young enough to be pregnant. Right. It means I'm young. And then when she comes to terms with the fact that it's, like, okay that she's not 20 years old, mm-hmm. then she's like, well, I don't want to fucking be pregnant. <laughs> I don't want a baby. Are you kidding baby me? And she's like, <laughs> yeah. And she says this really great line. I, don't, I didn't write it down, but she says something about, like, you know, 
just immediately after seeing the test, like, being so grateful of her freedoms and, like, her ability to make choices and her body and just, like, her life just being, like, not, you know, tied down by a newborn baby. Right, right. Um, so Angela, or Angela's mom knocks on her door and Angela's laying in bed and she's depressed and, and a, you know, she's depressed of her teenage love gone awry. She's like <laughs> staring up at the ceiling really dramatically in her flannel and she, her mom has ice cream and she's like, if you think that like walking in here with a carton of ice cream is going to make me feel better, like you're wrong. And then she turns around to leave and she's like, but leave the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and then she tells Angela that she had a pregnancy scare and Angela belly laughs in her face to the point that she falls back and is like healed like laughing in her face <laughs> at the idea that this old like old hag the thought hag. it's like made her feel so terrible but then she couldn't help but laugh at herself because it is funny yeah um you know it's silly um and then the end of the episode brian shows up of course he like drops out of the sky <laughs> like literally pulls himself out of a bookshelf and is like i'm still here um <laughs> And he, uh, he's, like, hanging out. And you can see that now, like, Angela's little sister's, like, over him. Oh, yeah. Because he said, because <laughs> earlier he had offered, she had kind of, when she was trying to seduce him, kept asking him about his saxophone. And if yeah. he would teach her how to play saxophone. And the next time he showed up, he didn't have this. He kind of blew off. He didn't even remember the conversation. He had just gone back to go see Angela. And so now coming over, he's kind of trying to worm his way back in. And it's easier to talk to the little sister, Danielle, than it is to go up and talk to Angela. So he's like, offers her like a saxophone lesson. And she's just like, no. No. And just leaves. And in my notes, I wrote like, Danielle is going to be a Samantha when she grows up. Yeah. Because she's like, (laughs) you had your chance. Yes, for sure. Like she was like, no, thanks. Mm, thanks. Her mom's like, I guess that's over. (laughs) Uh, And he, uh, he asks her like, you know, how her date went with Gordon Catalano. And she's like, don't ever talk about him ever again. Don't mention his name. And he's like, well, what's wrong? What happened? And like, you know, he's sort of like smiling and she's like, it'll happen to you one day. Mm -hmm. She's like, just wait until you're in love. And you get hurt and it'll happen to you. And it's just so ironic. Cause it's like, they end on an, on an, the same note where it's yeah. like, girl, it happens to him all day at school, every <laughs> single day. And after school in his neighborhood with you, he can't even, yeah, he can't day. even escape her at home because she yeah. is literally the girl next door. Like yeah, yeah, literally, literally the girl next door. Yeah. She's like, you'll know what it feels like one day to be <laughs> in love and not have it reciprocated. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Oh, oh such a beautiful, beautiful episode. It was so good. It was so good. And it is on Hulu now, so if there is anybody, if you haven't ever seen it, or if you haven't seen it in a really long time, it's really a good rewatch. Um, comparing it to like the way you thought about it when maybe the first time you saw it or the last time you saw it, it holds up. And that's such good performances from everybody. Um I mean, Academy Award winner Jared Leto. Yeah, like I know. that's insane. It's insane. I know. It's like it shouldn't take much convincing, and also fucking Claire, Claire Danes, a true goddess, like a, basically like a young Meryl Streep, and that nobody's talking about. It's it, it really is like, and it is one of those shows like that because it is only one season, and because it did end so abruptly, you feel this like 
obsessive connection to it mm-hmm. after you watch it one time. It's like you it's yours, you own it, and you will enjoy going back and rewatching it every single time you do because you won't watch it once. I'm gonna rewatch and, and keep an eye on the Brian Krakow uh, fade out. Yeah, I, I had never yes. noticed that before. I'm gonna have to rewatch it. And I think one of the craziest things I ever because uh, I read on like you know like kind of where are they now like throughout the years, uh, mm-hmm. AJ Langer who played Ray and Graf, an iconic teenage legend, is now a countess, and. She is addressed as Lady Devon, hasn't acted since like 2013, and she is living in an actual castle. What? Her husband had an inherited title. Like her husband was a count of the Count of Devon, and when he passed away, the son inherited the title. The son happened to be married to AJ Langer. She is now Lady Devon. Andy Cohen, I know that you're listening. Dear friends, sir, you heard it here first. Cast this woman on a show. Cast her on Housewives. She needs to be a real housewife. An actual countess. Oh my god, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, Brian, I don't know his his actual name, but I I just started rewatching Mad Men, and he like is in one of the episodes. He goes on a date with Peggy Olsen. Yes. And he's like super awkward, and she actually like really likes him, and. He's like towards the end of the se- the series. Yeah, I think he's been in some other stuff, but that's like that's the only thing I can remember. Like off the top of my head was was Mad yeah. Men. Yeah, I think it's um, Devin Bummersall. Not that I'm obsessed or anything. <laughs> not that he's really handsome or anything. No. <laughs> well, tell people where they can find your podcast and stuff. Uh, the podcast is the Bottom Bible. Um, it's I to or you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anything, everything. Um, and on Instagram, and if we're on any social media, it's always The Bottom Bible. Um, and we release new episodes every Tuesday. Uh, and they're in like, we cover a lot of topics, so you can kind of pick and choose what's interesting to you. If there's something you not, you know, you're not into, skip it. Skip it. And we yeah. have a cocktail with every episode. So we will yeah. post about the cocktail the day we release the episode if you want to watch and drink along. Uh, but just remember that my podcast partner has a very, very heavy pour. And we call it the Pearson pour. <laughs> so a lot of the drinks that we make end up tasting like they don't have alcohol in them. And it's a, you know, we're just kind of drinking and I just, I, my mouth is getting dry and I'm just guzzling it. So by the end of the show, you can, in some shows, hear the progression of like my blood alcohol level. Uh, right. <laughs> You're like, why am I sweating and not able to stand? Why are there two of you now? Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys definitely listen. It's like, I love it. I have, I live. Like, I, I thought it was so funny. I listened to like nine episodes in a row and I couldn't stop. So definitely listen. Um, thank you so much for doing this with me. It was so oh, fun. Oh, it was so fun. Thank you so, so much. I had a blast and... Um, Anytime you ever want to do another episode, I am. I would be honored, uh, more honored okay. than uh, Lady Devon to uh, to return. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll like look through our like catalogs and figure out what other shows we like and how we comment. Oh, I love. All right, well, you guys, that was it. Episode one hundred three of this mushroom. I hope you liked it. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to This Mushroom, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Please make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps your boy. 
Also, make sure to head over to patreon.com slash evpsychos for more information on this show and other Patreon-exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McEady. That's T-R-O-Y-M-C-E-A-D-Y. You can also follow this podcast at EBP underscore Smushroom. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.